are watching UBN. You Black Niggas Network, Channel 94, Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another special 15-year anniversary episode of Ox Me Later with returning guest, the head and everything of the Meet Me on the Roof podcast. Also, check out The Spiel coming real, real soon. It's hilarious because the album we're reviewing, you know, Little Brother, with my big brother, G. What's good, man? What's going on? What's going on? I I I remember hitting you about this like months ago, and I said I wouldn't want to do this album with anybody else. Oh yeah, I mean this is definitely a special album in hip hop. So I'm definitely glad to be here. It's definitely anytime I have a when they ask like what's your favorite albums or anything like that. This this album always makes the conversation. All right, and we we about to get right into that joint, man. Um, before all that, remember, like always, guys, rate, like, comment, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. Links and everything will be in the description bio below. Check out myself and the homies Q, Carson, and Zach on Twitch, playing a little bit of RPGs, golf, 2K, Apex Legends, Call of Duty, you know, all that stuff, etc. Make sure to check out the On to September playlist available in the link tree as well. Available on Apple Music and Spotify for the new hits. I'm going to have to go back and add that Conway album because that shit's flames right now. And probably add a couple of these songs or whatever. So, you know, I, I don't I keep adding into the playlist until the 15th of the month and I kind of let it go. But um, before we hop onto the album, man, um, you got any news over your way about uh, Meet Me on the Roof or The Spilled? I know we're getting into kind of. I mean, band season would be happening now, but you know, this, this quarantine has got the whole world messed up still. Yeah. Well, meet me on the roof was kind of like on a two week hiatus. I just took a break. Um, you know, I don't put out nearly as many episodes as you do during a week. 
I average maybe one or two now, but I just took a break kind of after the Brandy and Monica. I recorded, um, I recorded an episode like afterwards recapping the whole versus battle with Brandy and Monica. And I honestly got to break that thing down. It was like over two and a half <laughs> hours. And, uh, right. And I think I may just release it how it is, but it, you know, it was a good conversation, but we kind of had some audio technical difficulties along the way. And I'm very critical about my work and how I put it out. Uh, you know that me, I'm very detailed about what I put out. And so, Oh yeah. Um, if I don't like it, it's not going out. And so, I mean, um, I think that's why I am this way, honestly. Yeah. And I mean, that was like an episode, honestly, I need to fish through and I really didn't want to edit it because when I start editing stuff, it takes away the authenticity of the conversation of how we had it. And with the spill, um, that's still like a work in progress. Um, I'm doing some episodes now that's kind of more geared towards marching band, um, the musical arts and stuff like that. So that's not like what I would normally talk about. Like on meet me on the roof, meet me on the roof is where I talk my shit and, and just talk about, you know, all things, entertainment, music, um, life, what's going on in my life, you know, different things like that. So it's kind of like different and, and will serve and have two different audiences. So, but I'm definitely glad to be here to, you know, review this legend. I'm going to say legendary album and a very, slept, yes. a very slept on album. Unfortunately, but yes, yeah. And I just want to say I, I just had to mention that because of course, you know, I'm gonna put down the links and everything so you guys can check out my pros pod. But like I'm so excited for you to stop like start the spill because I know like that's your bag, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. That's you know, that's that's my thing. I can get up there and talk about that stuff all day long. I mean, I have been involved or doing bands since you were like three years old. So pretty much <laughs> there's still that classic picture of you and everything with the, um, I don't even know if it was Goldsboro high. I think he was in middle school, like just jamming at the damn Goldsboro parade back in the day. Oh yeah. That was uh, actually in high school. That was my freshman year. So that picture mm. was like over 21, 22 years old. Yeah. That's classic, man. That's like literally me, whatever, as far as talking about wrestling and sports and everything. Like that's why those are the most episodes because I mean, those are my favorites, Oh yeah, but all that being said, man, let's go ahead into Little Brother, the Minstrel Show, 15-year anniversary. Before we get into the artists, does it, feel, does it even feel like 15 years? I mean, obviously, you would know way more than me because I didn't get on in, into this like a, bit, a little bit later as we're about to go, you know? Yeah, so the crazy thing is it don't because this is really a timeless record. Um and, you know, as we'll talk about it as we go, like, track by track, um, featured some very, very dynamic production. Um, you know, very nostalgic with the samples, like, from Ninth Wonder. I mean, he did a really good job. And they had a couple of other producers that was, like, in their camp that was right. featured on the album as well. But it was majorly produced by Ninth Wonder. And it just had a very timeless sound. And, um, that you know, like, during that time, I really was not big you know, big on the rap thing. Like, you know, I, you know, I listen to rap and stuff like that. But by that time, you know, you think back 2005, that's when everybody was doing, like getting into the whole snap and like the, <laughs> like the little chingies and the, and I think about like Oh five, that was like when T pain came out with like, I'm sprung and right. I about to say this is coming right after, like, I think not this summer, but like the next summer is when you came down from college. I want to say, and we just had that whole summer at grandma's house where we was going through some of the best out. Like Eve had that one out. Was it Eve or Kelly Rowland? I can't remember. Had that album. Kelly Rowland like this. Yeah. Um, T-Pain drop epiphany. Like we were just going through like a lot of dope shit that summer, man. 
Yeah, because I mean, I'm thinking about like 05, like the stuff that came out in 05. I mean, like you had Mariah Carey, where she had the Emancipation of Mimi. Yeah, um, now you had like a lot of a lot of different things that that was coming out. Chris Brown came out with his first album. Neo yeah. came out with his first album. Um, <laughs> so you had a lot of things that was coming out in in this particular time period. Um, but what you didn't really have coming out was a lot of like what I would say memorable rap. I mean, that was also during a time like uh, Jeezy was like, and then what? Yeah, uh, like that, like that whole time period, and um, Ti was like with ASAP and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, I think that was the King album, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. That was, I might be early. And so, um, he, you know, so it, it was a lot of things that came out, but this album really just stood out superior over a lot of what had came out that time. But it was very overlooked. Little side note too, last thing before we get on right into that, because I always think of that summer of 06 where we just got on like all this like dope R&B and everything kind of, you know. That was actually summer of 07. Oh, okay. Yeah, right, right. That was summer of 07 because that was after school for me. Okay, right. So I was about to go to this uh, 10th grade. Mm -hmm. And um, like literally, I can't remember the year exactly, but like a little bit before you moved. So maybe like 2014. Or whatever, like around that 2013, 2014 year, whenever we be going to work and shit, and like we was just like, yo, pop radio is taking over. Yeah, I mean, you know, like around <laughs> you know, around by that time, you know, I was listening to like EDM at that point, you know. Right. Um, you know, I was going to raves and shit. Yeah, yeah, so I mean I was like into that and I still have not been to a rave. I mean, the <laughs> last rave they had here was I forget who the artist was, they came here, but it was like over two hundred and fifty damn people overdosed. <laughs> So whoever and it's it was, crazy. Like it was I'm crazy. mad we didn't have like a platform then or whatever. As far as podcasts, I mean, you was I was kind of on Twitter here and there, but you was heavy on Twitter at that time. Yeah. And I'm like, because you were the first one to say it. I'm kind of mad because we we could have coined this shit. Like yo, like popular R and B and hip hop was turning into pop at that time. It was like everybody and you was, coined that shit early. Yeah, everybody was trying to put out. Even during that time, I mean, you know, this is when like disclosure. Was getting big and Sam Smith, oh, and Sam then, Smith, um, yeah. the chain smokers and all that stuff was blowing up. So this is like around the time when all these people was getting put on, and this was like during the time where um, Bruno Mars, like a lot of people, like all of this pop stuff was like blending into the sounds at that point in time. And so everybody was trying to put out those pop records, and a lot of Chris Brown was dubbing around in the dubstep. During yeah, that, that whole so, that yeah. was the whole um, what's the name album? Fuck, that was like Fortune. What? Yeah, he started with the Fortune album. Actually, he started probably before the Fortune album. What was the album before Fortune album? Fortune, Fame? Um, might be. Yeah, yeah, Fame, Fame. So around that time, like um, going into that period, and then even after that, like, you know, he was really heavy into to to the whole dubstep. And so you had, like, even Mary J. Blige went and tried to get some of that sound at some Crispy point. Crispy chicken! Uh, <laughs> let me stop. Let me stop. We ain't gonna do that tonight. <laughs> so oh, everybody, was trying, everybody was trying to put that out. And so, I mean, you know... Right. I mean, we have seen music just really shape and go through a lot of different, like, especially R&B and even rap. Like, I mean, you know, now everybody got went through that period. And people cannot... A lot of these rappers cannot say that their music is not heavily influenced by the Migos. 
Oh, no, that's facts. Um, I mean, because nobody, I mean, you had other people who was doing it, but the Migos had a sound, and then people started mocking that sound. Even R&B singers started singing in what I call the triplet pattern, like triplet, triplet, one, triplet, triplet, one. <laughs> like, you know, you August Alcina, like that yeah, type of, like, yeah. like, when he did that, I love it. And then everybody, you know, it's like people put out songs to sound like what's on the radio at that particular time. Even even Usher had a song. Like, you know, all these people had these different songs that where they had this stuff sounding like that. So, you know, what's in and when people are trying to reinvent themselves and come out and get on the charts, they're going to do what they think is hot at the moment. Facts. And we go from all that to talking about, like, to, like not just two particulars, but an entire group who have always just stuck to their sound and is, like you said, timeless. So... Before we jump into the minstrel show, I mean, I'll go first. I'll let you go first or whatever, because I don't have much. Because, I mean, you're the one that got me on, Little Brother. But how did you get on to Little Brother? So, we, you know, being in North Carolina, you would hear about them. And so, actually, if you go back with them, you know, I'd actually heard Little Brother before. I heard them with their first album. Um, the listening in 03, my freshman year in college. Right. And so that's actually how I got onto them. And I didn't know that they had put this album out. It like just literally just kind of like came out. And um, Jordan actually put me on to the album because when they came out with their first album, it wasn't on a major label. So you wouldn't have known anything about it. I mean, it was, it was a independent, like, underground record and then after that point you know they got signed to atlantic and um and then you got this album right so i mean that's how i got on to them and um once i heard the album i mean it was one of those where at that particular time you didn't skip a track not back then i mean you know we were still listening to cds back then and so um you put the cd in and it was one of those albums that rocked from top to top to bottom facts so the way i got on them was um literally i forgot what you did with my computer at the time i think updated it but and this is like what 2012 13 maybe probably so i'm about to say i know i'm working at like i'm still working at the um i wasn't working at the college yet and i might have been working at the hospital but at either the hospital or just barely about to get off like at um working at the golf course and you updated my computer and I noticed like just a lot of new songs. And whenever, you know, my, like I put my iPod, you know, going way back in the day in there and everything, it like put all the new stuff on my iPod. So like I'm in the car one day and I'm just like, okay, what is this little brother joint? Like, okay. Like, Oh, this is fire. You know, I'm, I've always been into, you know, just dope lyrical hip hop. I mean, yeah, I get into trends and shit here and there, but like, from the way I was raised with you and our cousins and everything, like I've always been in the lyrics, you know. Right. Heard this and I was like, "Yo, like that one joint you put up there was crazy." You was like, "Which one?" I was like, "The little brother shit." Like I finished the whole thing, and I've always just told you after the fact, like, "Yo, I'm a fan." Like so, I went back and listened to old stuff, like you had said, like, um, the Chitlin Circuit, like EP, you know, mixtape or whatever you want to call it, album. Get back in 07, separate but equal. Uh, left back and then even the joint they released last year in 2019 you know made the lord watch which i thought 
for them coming back in 2019 was a pretty damn good album. Even though I don't think like Ninth had a lot of the production, but you know that's for a different day, right? And the the funny thing about this album too, like so, even when this album came out, it came out with little fanfare, um, right? No, no really big no really big fanfare about it i mean they were on a major label and i mean even before the album can get released they were already like into a brawl with their label already so it's sad honestly and yeah i mean and so at that point they kind of just kind of pulled the rug for up, up under them kind of sort of and the album didn't really get the praise that it should so it's really a cult classic so we can go ahead and jump into this man um i got 17 tracks did app like did you listen to the 18th track before you know we even go all the way in the 18th track we ain't got to talk about that whatever i'll I'll, I'll say that at the very end and everything okay because i got notes for it but um you know the minstrel show man um track one welcome to the minstrel show gives us a skit and like yo i miss and we talked like me and the homie don shout out um divine council podcast we talked about this and everything on the kanye review like i love skits and albums man like it just gives it like that i ain't gonna say that old feel just that hip-hop feel you know well i mean honestly that's how hip-hop albums used to really be set up back during that time i mean and i um, i think like i think for some of them they need to come back like i love it when it comes on like a griselda project and everything but they have like a lot of wu-tang influences so of course they have skits you know yeah like you know wu-tang has skits and even before then big daddy kane was big on skits i remember your mama used to like big daddy kane you know she listened to big daddy kane she listened to like ice tea but i remember like specifically on big daddy kane albums like he used to have like all of these skits and for anybody who's listening, if you watch like seventies black exploitation films, they they were big on sampling a lot of the music from those soundtracks. And also they was like in videos they would kind of reenact a lot of those movies and stuff like that. So Dolomite, who was like a big like a big movie in the exploitation scene back in the seventies, Rudy Ray Moore. He used to do a lot of skits like on Big Daddy Kane's album. So that was like the first time that I really was like hearing skits on an album and then it became like more indefinite you know because that's what everybody call interludes and you know right. r&b they had like the little keyboard interlude and them singing and ooh and ah and running up and down <laughs> and then it'll go into, go into the next track or something like that but the rap guys like you know it was either something them talking about um talking about uh some raggedy bitch or something like that or somebody <laughs> knocking at a door and they um they in the in there with somebody else that they not supposed to be with like some other chick or something like that and they girl rolled up like it was always kids like that it always i always something crazy that made you laugh so it kept you engaged in the album and it made the albums flow i know public enemy used to have skits oh cool J, like a lot of, it was it was common in rap period right and so like when this album came out um first of all it this whole album was a parody of at the time if anybody remembers upn um, like the UPN network, which I think is as UPN. What did it merge to? Because I don't want to say uh, uh, CW two the CW twenty two or whatever. Yeah, so, like, yeah, so the CW channel, or whatever like that. So UPN was like um 
this network that used to be out in the 90s in like the early 2000s so that upn was like where moesha um girlfriends um they had these raggedy shows like homeboys from out of one-on-one like one-on-one so all these shows like came on upn but upn had some like dud shows like homeboys and other space and so they did a parody <laughs> they did a parody of the of the network and called it ubn you black niggas network so um that's where that came from you black niggas network right and Incredible. so um <clears throat> uh like the first track welcome to the minstrel show like it's um I like the way the album starts. Um, you know, Yazara is the chick singing and you got Darian Brockerton who's up there who sings on quite a bit of the Oh, I can't wait to tunes. talk about him. He was yeah. going crazy. Yeah, like on like on a bit of the tunes, like really like laced it up or whatever. Like but so Yazara, I'm gonna talk about her just briefly. Very, very dope artist, like very slept on. So Yazara, you know, if you don't know who Yazara is, Yazara she's from DC, but Yazara used to be a she started out as a background vocalist for for Erica Badu, but um, Yazavar was connected with them because she also went to North Carolina Central as well. And um, and I remember Yazavar from my freshman year of college, 03. She had this song that came out. They never showed the damn video during the daytime. This is when BET showed what was, like, popping during the daytime. And so you had to catch everything that was, like, slow. They didn't really play ballads and slow tunes unless she was, like, Tony Braxton or, like, okay. somebody like somebody major. They didn't play that during the daytime. So Yazara had this real, like, groovy song. And go check it out. You can't find it on Apple Music. You're going to have to go to YouTube. But Yazara gotcha. had this song called Wishing. And I mean, I still like pulled this song up to this day because I mean, she she could blow, but she was just real slept on. She never really got her big break, but she got her big break when she was in college. And Erica Badu found her, and and she went on tour with Erica doing the Mama's Gun tour. So she was like on tour with Erica for a little bit, and then she right. started putting out her own music. But to see her come up here and lace that track, even like with the whole good time sounding ending. Um, at the end of the Welcome to the Minstrel Show, I think this opener, like the opening track, really set the tone for how the album was going to be. Like you already know, like this shit was going to be like some comedy. It's the Minstrel Show, and if anybody right. knows what the a Minstrel Show is, a Minstrel Show, if you could think back into the twenties and thirties, this is where pretty much um, white people would take <laughs> take black people and would make them go in blackface. White people would go in blackface, and it was really degrading. Um, and you would see a minstrel show. It was always like making fun. You were pretty much making fun of things you did in your culture and stuff like that. And it was never like a right thing or anything like that. And so that's why a lot of people, when they came out with the minstrel show, they didn't know really how to take the title because they were like, well, what the hell is this going to be? But it was just like totally opposite of what you think. Right. It was a parody, but like it was a incredible, like, I mean, and the thing about it is we're going to talk about like Tay and Pooh and like how they're joking, but they're also like, kicking some real knowledge at the same time absolutely so track two it goes right into beautiful morning which you know just a quick little track and everything like Pooh starts it off tay went right after whatever we're gonna say it a lot they was rapping their asses off <laughs> i mean it's, it's just you know i mean and it's like honestly going going track for track 
I mean, because there's some some tracks where you know Tay up there, and then like you know Big Pooh, or they you know they bounce off each other. Then they have tracks where they're by themselves. They just yeah. laced the whole album. I mean, I'm just gonna say that like off off gate. So I didn't I don't even have to keep reiterating that because like they snap. I mean, you you could tell that by this time that they they had a message that they really wanted to prove and that they wanted to put out because at that time you know Jay Z was dominating the charts and yeah. um. You had T.I. at that point. You had um, 50 Cent was, like, popping up, like, was was back around and and coming back up. Fat Joe had just came off of his lean back. This is where everybody was getting, like, on the whole Scott Storch, like, thing. And uh, Missy Elliott put out her last album around this time, like, in 05. So, like, all of this music from 04 to 05, like, they had to put something different out on the charts than what was out on the charts. Cause right then at that point, everybody was trying to sound like something like down South. Like you had just, we had just got over the crunk music with Lil John and, and, and that whole era. And then we went to the, the, the little big production. Like this is where Manny fresh got his little second wave. Right. Um, before he kind of fills it out. And then you get this album of ninth wonder and just classic. I mean, this was just to me, he really knew how to take these samples and really make a masterwork and a masterpiece out of the samples. And it wouldn't even be like all of these just major splices. I mean, he would take the most like littlest things and we'll talk about it and we get like further into some of the tracks, but it was just the way he laced the production on these tracks. How could you not snap on them? Like two side notes. One, I mean, after this ninth became one of my favorite producers ever. And like, I even liked like the joint he did, I think a year ago or something, uh, welcome to jam rock where like, you know, he's put on, like he keeps putting on for North Carolina, you know, like he signed a, he signs a Rhapsody, you know, like she reps Raleigh, but originally out of snow Hill, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, uh, a Heather, a Heather Victoria, who's incredibly dope R and B singer. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I, have I ever sent you the Japan record? No. Oh, I'm gonna send you that in a little bit. I want you to listen to it after. That is, I, I'm telling, I love it. And the the other note, what you just said about Missy, I have not went through a Missy record from top to bottom. So pick one, and we'll have to do that for one of your run the back, like run it back, so whatever. Because I want to go through a Missy record. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely quite a few we can go back through, and I'm I'm looking here now at um actually in in going back with ninth wonder like even before this album came out i really was like taking notice to his production because you know i've always been one that used to read the liner notes of albums mm-hmm. um that i was just big on that that's how i know a lot of the stuff that i know because i would just sit down and read the liner notes like i wanted to know who were the songwriters who did the background vocals where's what studio was it recorded at who played right who played on this and that and so i really started taking notice to ninth wonder on jay-z's the black album yeah, because that was my freshman year of college, and so I remember like he had the threat track on that. But I remember like the pretty decent production that he did on Destiny's Child's Destiny's Fulfilled in '04. Okay, um, and he definitely laced laced uh, some pretty good because he did "Is She the Reason" and he did "Girl" and "Girl" like off that was like very classic. So he already. He had that already was establishing himself of kind of that. I'm, I almost feel like he was a Kanye West on steroids at that Pretty time. Much. We're taking like class, classic samples 
and really like it was just his placements and how everything flowed like Kanye got the mainstream approach to it but like I could like send people certain things from like ninth or whatever and it's just like yo like I ain't know about this and I'm like yeah cause ninth's crazy man crazy dope let's go ahead into track 3 because you know I'm gonna let you I'm gonna just say this and I'm gonna let you take over from there where um the becoming it literally leads on from like Tay's verse from um Beautiful Morning straight into this song and it's a it's a you know Fonte solo joint <clears throat> and it samples circles by uh Rufus and Shaka Khan you know Tay goes off about like you know the group's time at North Carolina Central <laughs> I laughed at the part towards the end when he's like, you know, passing out like my mom at Revival. Ooh, you know, like that joint. Yeah, and, and like, that was like also too, like the introduction of they had a lot of punchlines. Oh, facts. I mean, this album was like full of punchlines, like just full of punchlines. And even like with the becoming, um, these tracks just seamlessly go into each other. Like, I mean, you could really tell that this was a concept album. And they really had to sell big on the concept because these songs just like you listening to a song and next thing you know, you into another song and you don't even know it because it just it bled right over into the next track. Just like perfect. Facts. And um, yet again, another great sample like circles like, you know, that ain't even a popular song by Rufus. Like, I mean, that's yeah. And that's a- what look, I was like, you know, take over with that. Like, you know, that Shaka Khan joint because I know you know way more about that than me. And then as far as like, you know, because they talk about it throughout the entire album, but this is the first men- like mention about like, you know, he was talking about playing football at Central and they all met up at Central and everything. And I mean, you, you know, an A&T alum, like speak on like kind of the whole scene, like, you know, up there, you know, I never went to like university like that. Right. So, I mean, you know, different, you know, you're at a PWI, you know, I went to HBCU and so just the whole, the whole premise of college is 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 different i mean it just hit different for somebody like for you you probably could have benefited going to hbcu because you went to high school um with a lot of you know you with a lot of white people i mean 70%. You know, yeah 70 percent. so it's like 70 30 <laughs> so a lot of your friends like even your friend makeup looks 70 30 so yeah. i mean you know and that's just the the realism of it and you know with me going to school in the city to Goldsboro, it just felt like right that I had to continue that on. And so like being, it's nothing like two side notes, two Mm -hmm. side notes, not trying to interrupt you. I'll never forget. Like whenever, um, you remember whenever I graduated college and like we had my cookout and everything and mom was like, I wasn't expecting this many black people with you, Mookie. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, chill moms. And you said the same thing, but I'll never forget. And the second part, our cousin Mike, man, like I'm, you know, I remember like when he came back from eight, like you know Greensboro and everything, and he was at um college with me, and he was just like, "Yo, this is the first time I ever went to school with white people," and I was like, "What?" He was like, "Movie, you gotta think about what Goldsboro High was when I graduated in 04. He's yeah, like, I come back or whatever, and I'm seeing these white kids with like stuff like Goldsboro swimming, Goldsboro tennis, and I'm like, "When the hell did we have these?" <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we didn't. I mean, honestly, when we were in high school and, and you know, Mike was right behind me, we only had five, yeah. we only had five white, white students in the school period. 
Right. Like, period. Like, I can name them all by hand right now. Like, if I, I remember to, you like, telling me about one, and I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, and then out of the, the five that was in school, three of them was in the band. So, I mean, like, you know. It, it wasn't, it wasn't really a whole lot. And so, I mean, going, going to A&T and even like Central, I mean, on any HBCU campus, I mean, you have different experiences, but they're all alike. You know, you're around people that look like you, like speak your language. And so like, you really get to get in tune with, with yourself as a black person on HBCU campus. And then just the culture alone. Um, we, and we're not even talking about the parties, but just being on the yard, you hear them reference the yard a lot. They say the yard and, uh, Mm -hmm. and when people hear the yard, if you're not familiar with that term, if you didn't go to college or HBCU, the yard is campus. We call the campus the yard because that's the yard, the grass that we're on, you know, so we're on the yard. Like anytime we're like, all right, we finna go on the yard and we about to, you know, kick it on the yard. Like that was, that was being on campus. We just didn't say on campus and college on campus sounds, uh, high school, like where we're on the high school campus. But no, when you <laughs> on the yard, like you on the yard, you getting ready to go see one of your homeboys and your homegirls on the yard. Like y'all meeting at the calf. Um, like, you know, they talk about fried chicken, this at A&T. I think Central had fried chicken Wednesdays. We had fried chicken Fridays. So. Right. Just those little culture things, the football games, stuff like that. It was nothing. It's nothing like being at an HBCU game. Um, the experience, all the people, like Jiho, like any homecoming at HBCU, like everybody's going to do up their homecoming in their respective way. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to clear my throat. We got the best damn homecoming, period. Y'all do. That's why it's called the greatest homecoming on earth, and, and it is what it is. But Talk your shit. Yeah, I'm going to always talk it because uh, at our school, I mean – we not only did we put on, we're the largest HBCU period at this point. And it, you know, I just to put my school just a little bit, North Carolina Agriculture and Technical State University. So, I yes, mean, sir. I just, you know, it, it's, it's a different feeling. It hit different when you go to HBCU. And I mean, and I, and I just leave that there. And I, and I know because I've been to, I, you know, I went to HBCU and a PWI. So the, the experiences are vastly, vastly different. Like they're they're different. I mean, it's just different when you're on on a campus and you see a whole bunch of white people. I mean, you've been a culture shock for me. I wasn't used to that. I mean, all the white people left our school systems like in sixth grade. So at that point, we got real segregated in in the city schools. And so when I went to college, now I I saw it was it was actually white people on campus when we went to college. It wasn't a whole lot, but it, I mean, there were some. Like it was it was a plenty of them. I mean, we had like a lot of like. Indian students and like Arabs, like, you know, different, you know, different like cultures, like they were all engineers and stuff like that. But, you know, that's a technology school. So, I mean, right. I was used to seeing like that culture, but I was around black people, black people, black people, niggas. Pretty much. And I mean, and, yeah, and it was a good thing. So now I like I'm, I'm glad you broke it down everything because like and I make the joke whenever we do certain podcasts where I'm just like, you got to understand the the audience of my podcast in particular, you know what I'm saying? Like, so they wouldn't really understand what you, you know what I'm saying? So I'm glad you broke it down. Like that's, that's what's up, bro. For real. Yeah, and I, I say that too. Like, even I'm glad you like, you know, cause like, you know, white, like white people being around. Cause I never forget like a little bit after, like, you know, we all went off to college, like, you know, the kids my age, I remember one of my, like, I wouldn't necessarily say we was homies, but like we, we got cool later on. And he went to, uh, he actually went to central to play baseball. He was like, yeah, bro. Like, I went to Central, man. Like, they recruited me and everything. And it was like, yeah, you know, come over here. You'll get a scholarship and all this stuff. And he was like, yo, Central's pretty damn cool. And I was like, bro, you would have never said this shit two years ago. But yeah. you get around and you realize, like, yo, it's, like, it's dope. Like, you know what I'm saying? 
I mean, I even look at it like one of my high school teachers, shout out to Miss MacArthur, Kim MacArthur, like her son, Timmy MacArthur, he went to Southern Wayne, which was, you know, like kind of like ACOC, the, you know, it was like, mm-hmm. a, yeah, like a difference. I mean, they were a little more of the hooder out of the, yeah, out of the, love. out of the white schools, but like he went to A&T, he was an engineer major and he was in jazz band with me and everything. But like he, you know, he, he came and he was a white boy and he blended right in and, and everything and, and everything was like cool and fine with him. Like. Yeah, it's just different experiences. And so they really just like they put that whole premise of you feeling like it is on the yard and them grinding, trying to make it. And like that, that even how it goes into the next track, not enough. But before I go into not enough, like circles, that was on Rufus and Shaka Khan's like album that had sweet thing on it. Okay. And it wasn't even it was like the last track on side one. Okay. Um, it's it's on their self titled album Rufus featuring Shaka Khan, and that was the one that had a uh, sweet thing. And then they did a like, cover of Jive Talk, and it wasn't even really a uh, a big album, so to speak. And so for him to go and find some hidden in the crates like that to sample, that was pretty deep, like and pretty dope. But then right. you, um, it blends right into Not Enough, and Not Enough. They're talking about I'm about to say, before you get in that. Mm-hmm. The last thing I want to say about track three. It's like I love at the very end and everything because like, yo, me and my brother, we both have podcasts now. I love the end because like they kind of put little parts in here and everything where like it literally sounds like like actual cuts from like live shows. And at the end of this record, they're like, yo, support, support, you know, like support your own. He's like, you know, we do all this shit and everything, man. And it's like, yo, you know, people go back or whatever. They don't even get like love in the home state and people blow up and it's like, oh, we always loved y'all. Support you like support your own that's yeah, it uh, support your own and that's really support your friends like i mean if it's somebody that's close to you and they're not really rocking with you or listening to your stuff at that point and i'm learning that the hard way because i have friends yeah. and some of my best friends i mean i had one of my best friends that was like you know i don't listen to podcasts but i will listen to you mm-hmm. like, i mean that's just not my thing like they don't listen to talk radio nothing like that so i mean you know it's not their thing and i know podcasting that's not really not not really people things but you can like like subscribe or yeah. share something or something like that. I mean, and that, and I had a conversation like this earlier this week with one of my friends. I mean, it it hit different when you look and you got people who be supporting other people that y'all all know, but then you yeah. post something and that person may have and you're not doing shit for likes or nothing like that. It's just exactly. a simple thing of saying, "Hey, I see what you're doing," or you know, "I'm gonna share this." A boom, 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 boom. Like, I mean, when when. Anytime if one of my friends are doing something, I don't care if they post and they got a share thing and it's something that they promoting, I share it. But I don't get the same uh reciprocation on my end. So, you know, it just hits Facts. a little it just hits a little different. And I mean, even with podcasts, I mean, I'm pretty sure if you look at the numbers of your podcast when you're doing your thing, I mean, I look at I maybe average about thirty five to forty people an episode on some. Yeah. On some. Right. Most the average is about 25, like people who listen, because it gives me like the metrics like each week on every platform. Right. Same. So like I was going to say, like, for me, it was like, you know, I remember whenever because like you didn't know until I started dropping. But like, I remember like telling like people like, yo, I'm going to do this. And I got this idea and I'm going to do different platforms. I'm going to talk sports. I'm going to talk wrestling. I'm going to talk, you know, 
college bat like college stuff and talk like you know tv film all this stuff whatever and people was looking at me like i'm crazy like yo that's not gonna work like what do you mean i'm just like no i've seen it work i mean i've been i might not have the platform like certain people on espn and you know the athletic the ringer all that type of stuff or whatever but i'm like i'm believing myself and i'm doing this and everything i'm putting myself out there like a lot of people who want to like would hate on you they don't want to put themselves out there and like you kind of see and everything, and it's it's wild, but you kind of just got to let it rock or whatever. I mean, because it's like, yo, you, can't, I, I'm not gonna stop myself just because you don't believe. No, you know? I mean, like, like I was talking to one of my best friends today, and <clears throat> we were laughing. I mean, you know, we went to college together. We marched in the band together. I mean, everything we did, everything together. We marched side by side. We were roommates, and we was like, you know, we could be rich by now. Because before there was a TikTok, uh, anything on social media, like we were doing fake versus battles and acting right. like the artists and stuff like that, just like just like fucking playing around and doing stuff, and while always impersonate stuff, reenact stuff. Like I mean, I've been doing that since I was a child. We did that growing up in the house. You know, we exactly. always re. We could have did TikToks off of all the movies I had you watching as a child. Cause we used to be in the house wilding out or whatever. It just wasn't cameras and the type of stuff and everything like that. And like, I'll go back to just the conversation me and the homie Will was having yesterday or whatever after after we recorded the wrestling pod. And like, you know, like you said, like I've noticed my highest numbers have been coming with wrestling lately. I'm not gonna stop doing all the other stuff because I enjoy doing all of it. I enjoy wrestling probably the best because it's probably one of my faves and it's doing the numbers and that's dope. And he's just like, you know, bro, like. I and like we would do this shit if we weren't being recorded. And he was like, at first it kind of was weird being recorded, but like now he's used to it, you know? Yeah, I mean, like I think about when I did my first episode and it took me a while. You know, I had I put out promotion for a podcast months before I did an episode. I just honestly felt like it had to be the right time for me to say what I wanted to yeah. say. I could have did anything, but it was just that first the first episode is the hardest. I don't yeah. even know if like if you remember your first episode at this point, I'm sure you do. Because, yeah. I mean, the first one you do, I mean, you know, my first episode, I, it was like when they did the verses with Jill Scott and Erica Badu. I talked mm-hmm. about it, and I mean, I was on different equipment than I am now, so it's going to sound, if you hear t- the first episode to all the rest of my episodes, because in between that time, if people hadn't been listening, um, I had the coronavirus. And so, I mean, I shut my podcast down for a while because I had to personally just get well over there and i just was not really up to snuff to really put out an episode but in in that time i switched right. equipment and changed equipment and so the sound of my podcast changed and so when even when i go back and i listen to the first one i mean i had a guest up there who i genuinely like genuinely have on my uh podcast all the time but we had to record out of the one mic because it wouldn't even pick up the same second mic. like same it was, yes it sir. was a lot of ghetto shit that was going on but it, it yeah uh, people don't know like the time when you are one man team like yourself and you put out you got a fucking million episodes out almost like it seems like i mean i know but like when you <laughs> have to put all this stuff and your episodes are not like short you have very lengthy episodes you know and oh yeah I try to keep my episodes, if it's myself and I'm talking, 30 minutes, 45 yeah. tops. And, I mean, when I get in a discussion with people that I've started, like, I've started learning that when I record and it's more than two or three people, the conversation tends to go a little longer. And, oh, yeah. um And so, I mean, it, it's all of that. But when you're a one-man team and you got to do all of the 
like editing, mixing, the promotion, the promotion yeah. typing stuff, fixing if it's a typo, like the pictures, putting all that stuff up and going mm-hmm. through all that stuff. And then you put it out and you feel good about it. But then it's like, well, damn, this not really popping off or this not doing nothing. I really try not to get into the whole numbers and stuff like that because I got to pick it up and more people uh, get onto it because for some odd reason, fuck Facebook and Instagram because y'all, um, the algorithms, people be like, I post stuff and they be like, I do not see your stuff. Like, I legit don't. Like, a lot yeah. of people are like, I don't see when you post stuff. Like, one of my friends called me and was like, are you still on Facebook? Because I don't never see none of your posts now. Right. So, I mean, I put the stuff out there and it's funny. I could be talking about some random shit on Facebook and have 200 likes. But I post right. my podcast and only two people see it, like mine and somebody else. <laughs> right. It's crazy. I'm telling you, I go through the same things. I'm just like, I mean... All that being said and everything, I'm not going to cut us short. It's just like what we said, and we're going on to track four, but like the end track three, like, yo, support your own, man. Support, That's really it. Like, your own. I say it all the time or whatever. Like, you know, when I always like say, like, yeah, I do a wrestling podcast, but like, I bought merch for, for you know, first black champ. Mm-hmm. I started listening to their stuff. They're two black dudes, and they talk about wrestling just like I do. I've done like well not done. I've I've joined a like a live call with them and everything. They're two incredibly dope dudes and everything. And I'm just like, yo, they doing the same shit just like I am or whatever. And like I really fuck with them as a podcast. Like oh yeah. Us not only just as black people, but just as podcasters, like independent podcasters, support each other because it's too much money out here for us to not all get, you know? And we just I'm gonna leave it at that. Right. And so Moving on to not enough. I feel this track in yeah, the most in. in the most uh possible way that I can feel it. Like I mean that's uh Facts. this is one of my favorite tracks on the on the album. You know, they use um Easy Easy Got to Take It Easy by Teddy Pendergrass. Um nice. that sample and um just the way that this track is laced and this is again now you got um Darian Brockerton who <sighs> pops back up Again, he's kind of weaved into this album. If there's some vocals going on, nine times out of ten, he provided them on the album. And his voice just fit fit classic with the production. Again, Ninth Wonder produced um, this track. And um, you had Pooh and you had Tay, like, really just kind of listening. And they, at this point, they really just talking about, like, it don't matter what the hell we do. It's not enough for you. You keep grinding. Like, you keep doing this or whatever. And some people will never be satisfied. Like, and never like, be satisfied. And I know that you know, as a outside of even at the, outside of this podcast, I mean, I own my own business. And yeah. I've owned my own business for quite some time now. But I've owned my own business, like, legitly since 2003 but like more legitly like here recently but i've been been pretty much self-made since the age of 18 running a business on what i do and uh, with some people it's just not enough like i mean it's 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 a lot that you do and and even like getting that vulnerable space of putting out work like your work now is like at the hands of other people and they look at it and it's a very critical thing. And like with some people, it's just like really not enough, no matter like what we do, how we switch this, how we do this, like, and do it for you. That was the premise of the song. Like it's not enough. Right. And, and Darren Brockerton really like laced the hook. 
He was really a good hook guy. I mean, I don't understand why he didn't really blow up because I can't really remember him being so talented. And I'm going to talk about him on a track later on. Not only a track later on, but like it's some side stuff later on. Also, too, little side note, I'm going to just say latest or whatever because, you know, speak speaking things into existence. When we blow up, not if we, but when we blow up, you got to buy mom a house first. <laughs> I mean, they already got a house, but you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, because... Well, you know, y'all y'all doing this and everything. Or that. Yeah, <laughs> we ain't going to yeah, talk about right. her. <laughs> and, and that. But I mean, like, the thing about I'm going to say, is, well, your, your oldest son got it. There you go. Get, get it from him. <laughs> no, nah, you take off. You got somebody going to hear one of them 3,000 episodes you got. Hey, man, that's <laughs> yeah. on, on, on the road to 200, man. Like, on the road to listen, 200. Listen, I ain't even got the 20 yet. Um, no, I, I'm still doing better. You know, when we did our first episode. I told you I only ain't got three episodes. But, I mean, I'm at 13 now. So uh, I, I, I talked about it, man. It was a side note. Like I was talking to the homie Will yesterday and I was like, yo, I haven't taken a break. Like, like even the least time I dropped episodes, you know, and you, you know, about this or whatever. It was when dad was in the hospital. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was going to the hospital like every day. Like, I'm sorry. I not only did I not have time, I wasn't in the mood to record episodes. Like I, mean, I was, you just don't, it's an organic thing. Like if I'm honestly, yeah. legitimately not in the mood to, record like i'm recording with you now and this is like my first recording i did in over a week i keep saying yeah. oh, i'm gonna sit down i'm gonna record i'm gonna record i'm record i got things i want to talk about i just won't in the mood to talk about it i mean this week has been a little strenuous for me anyway it's not strenuous but i mean hell i cold turkey started a whole damn detox and went vegan and i'm like i say i'm gonna just say it not only with this podcast but in life or whatever not only am i so proud of you and everything like when we first did our episode together, like, and you was just like, and when we did the Prince joint, and you were like, yo, this is my little brother and everything. Like, I pretty much have raised him, and I'm so proud of the man, you know, he's become. You like talking about me, and I'm just like, you know, it's like little shit like that where I'm just like, you know, people don't get, man, like, and they'll just never get it and everything. Because I'm like, yeah, we have such an age gap between us or whatever, but, like, it's always meant love. I mean, of course, it's always been love. I mean, you know, I think about to when, you know, moms were pregnant with you. I mean, at that point, I ain't want to have no. He threatened to throw me out a window, guys. Uh-uh. No. <laughs> I, I, mean, when you, I mean, when you, I mean, there's a seven year, there's a seven year gap between us. I mean, when you used to being the only child and all of that point at seven years old or six at the time when she comes and like yeah well i'm pregnant i'm having a child like i don't want no no child i mean you know yeah. we went through that but when you got here you know that that changed and um you know grandma, and even like this or whatever like i mean we'll say it too like before we get on to the track five like we weren't we were like we were raised in the same house but we weren't raised in the same house or whatever you know you were going to school in goldsboro so like it got to a point where, like, you was about to go to ACOG, and you was like, nah, I'm not doing this. And you went to live with Grandma. Yeah. You know? And so, I mean, I just, that was not, I was not going to Charles B. And it, it, it's a, growing up, not even just growing up, like, you know, like, literally, but, like, just growing up age-wise, for us to kind of, like, go back or whatever. And then to the point we were both grown, living in the same house with our mom. And mom would be like, it's great to have both my boys. And I'm just like, yeah, we are both, like, old now. Like, I literally got to a point where I can, like, buy alcohol and shit. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's a difference. I mean, I always look at you. Yeah, you my, you're my little brother, but I always tell people, hell, I raised you. Yeah, I mean, I did. I mean, point point blank, period. Like you spent a lot of your time with me, and I mean, down to the person that taught you how to read, write, count, all of that stuff. It was me. Like 
pretty much everything I knew I used to put in, you used to hate it. You'd be running like, no, I don't want, like, you would not want to read and stuff like that. But I was Excellent. just a stickler. And I look at it now, like, when people, I mean, I, I like, it, as sad as it sounds or whatever, and I'm, I'll tell you, this going to be the last thing before we get into track five. As sad as it sounds or whatever, just as a black man or whatever, I'm 28 now. Like hearing stuff like, oh, you know, Mook, not even just Mook, you're Darius, you know, you're articulate, you know, you're so intelligent, like you're, and my thing about it is I'm like, huh. I'm, I'm smart about the shit I'm smart about. I don't know everything. Like nobody knows everything, but like this man that I'm on like the other call with right now is the person that made me this way because he was like, you ain't gonna, you're not going to be a dumbass. <laughs> I mean, not trying to like disrespect nobody, but like that's not gonna happen. You ain't you ain't gonna be sounding stupid. You ain't gonna be doing none of that and everything. Yeah, I mean, we just weren't gonna do that. And I mean, I'm I talk a and I look at it now, and I'm like, now, that was a real blessing. You know was. what I'm saying? I mean, like, I talk I could, real casual now, but I mean, I was just not gonna have you out here sounding stupid and not know how to enunciate words, how to like pronounce and sound things with sonic. And right, I would stuff say stuff and, the wrong way, and, and you would I'm come like, and correct no, me, like, and I would get annoyed. But, like, I look at it now, and I'm like, nah, he was doing that for the right reason because as, I mean, we, like we just said, whatever, with, like, you know, Central and A&T, like, you know, it's crazy to think people, like, to like think there's not intelligent black people, and that's fucking ridiculous. I mean, that's that's crazy, and I just didn't want you to be, to be around the counterparts that you were around, and one yeah. sound uneducated. And sound like you didn't know anything and didn't have proper home training or nothing like that. So I was just very a stickler on how you talked and everything. And a lot of times people ridiculed us by how proper we spoke and stuff like that. But honestly, I got that from your mama. <laughs> like, I was going to say mean, also too, rest in, rest in peace, Star, you know, like, I mean, we I called her our, our aunt, but yeah, she, I mean, was aunt, like she was God mom, like a godmom. Like God mom. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace to, you know, Aunt Pat, man. Yeah, her birthday just passed by. Jesus. And so, I mean, yeah, I mean, that that was like that. But, I mean, you know, getting on. So, that that's just with that whole not enough. And then we get into cheating. <laughs> Woo! So, so I, I love the, the, the Fonte, like, alter ego, Percy Miracles. <laughs> yeah, Percy and Miracles I, and Mr. Diggs. Your question, who's the Mr. Diggs alter ego? So, I don't, I actually don't even know. <laughs> This ain't this like, ain't Big Poo, right? No, all right. That's what I was like. I was like, because they would have said if it was Big Poo, but also this track is produced by Piano Reeves. No, uh-huh. no Ninth Wonder on this. And and this was like uh wow 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 yeah wow. this was like the, the <laughs> this was like the down low type of um girl you cheat type of like oh, they, like they kind of did a peg off a of down low with ronald osley and r kelly and so um and my TL, have you seen lately whatever like shout out one of the homies or whatever um he's been posting a picture or whatever of like uh ronald osley back in the video from like i think 2003 man's had on a a, a white fur jacket with a paul pierce jersey <laughs> okay that was listen and I know you don't know basketball, but I know you know. I mean, you know Jersey culture. You know I had like a million in them, right? <laughs> well, shout out Mike, man. So we mentioned him earlier, whatever. He got me all my jerseys back in the day. Okay, on that back when he wore that coaches. Yes, shout out coaches, man. Back in Goldsboro, back in the day. Yeah, I can't even like. Pick like up nothing, even on the credits of who Mr. Diggs was, and it could have honestly been one of them. 
Like it just didn't say, but it was like an unknown singer who does a spot on impersonation <laughs> of Ronald Asley. But I love it too because I mean, like I mean, I know we haven't talked about Mac Miller at least me and you and everything, but he used to have so many different alter egos. Like you know, Larry Fisherman was like the producer. He had like uh, Delusional Thomas when he wanted to get like dark and like satanic and shit. He had larry lovestein when he did like a whole jazz album so i love like big Pooh, just like yo i'm getting him my r&b shit which i mean i'm gonna talk about his r&b shit literally on the next song when we get there yeah everybody had like prince was the king of alter egos like oh my god look like, and we talked about it a little bit when we did the prince joint because i didn't know prince was doing whole ass songs writing as a woman and that shit was going like if i was your girlfriend yeah like he he had the alter ego camille but even before then oh. yeah when he um and I'm not going to harp on this for a long time, but like he, like album three, Dirty Mind, which we're going to cover later um, for the yes, 40th sir. anniversary um, in October. He um, used the pseudonym Jamie Starr. Okay. And Jamie Starr, I mean, pretty much, you know, he recorded that whole album in his house. It was like a demo. He was going to go to L.A. and record it because at that time he went to L.A. to record all his albums. And um, he recorded in his uh, basement i think where his little home studio was in minneapolis and um he um he used the pseudonym like jamie star was the engineer even though prince was the engineer it was like jamie star was like the engineer and um and then like when mars day like when the time came out and vanity six like it had the star company and jamie star so people was trying to figure out who this fictional character of jamie star was and right. then, like, anytime he wrote a song for somebody else, he never used his name. It was always a pseudonym. Also, before we get into track six, shout out that nigga Prince, man. Because I told you, after we did the episode, I I did so much research. And, like, I saw, like, his first, quote-unquote, like, you know, join on, like, a, you know, main TV station. And he kind of got real shy. He looked, at his, he looked at his mans and was like, that will never happen again. Oh, yeah. Like, I heard about like yo, he would go do like three, four hours with like the revolution and they go do like three, four hours with like the time. And then they would be like, Okay, when'd you have time to sleep? And it'd be the next day. Yeah, so I recorded and like did all the vocals and the music for like two, three songs. And it was like, nigga, when did you sleep? <laughs> That's why I keep saying I'm like, yo, like you you know, you you made the joke, like I keep dropping episodes over there, but like, you know, can't can't stop, won't stop, bad boy. But I'm like, yo, like it's not even about, you know, quantity over quality and all that type of stuff or whatever or anything. But it's just like I look at the greats and Prince didn't stop. So, yeah, track six, Hiding Place, featuring Elzire with Slum Village. Uh-huh. So pretty much on this track or whatever, we got Big Pooh, Elzire, and Fonte just taking turns, delivering an incredibly dope track, you know. I love that Tay mentioned the foreign exchange because from here also with like the, uh, the Drake record, you know, I forgot which one it was in particular, but he was always like, you know, Tay, you one of my favorite rappers and everything. And they got me on like, you know, connected the first foreign exchange album onto, you know, leave it all behind, which what I was going to say about the homie, um, you know, Darian Brockington, on a track later or whatever that was off that uh second foreign exchange album called something to behold which oh my god and then what's um homegirl's name that you said um yazara 
Yeah, Yazara. She was on If She Breaks Your Heart and If This Is Love. And I'm telling y'all, if y'all have never heard of those records, do yourself a favor and go check those out. But no, Hiding Place, dope. Yeah, I like Hiding Place. And I like how right after cheating, it went into Hiding Place, which then literally, like they had a skit and then it went into Slow It Down. Right, because, you know, we, we got something about, like, a woman and everything, you know, satisfying Big Pooh. And Pooh starts this off or whatever, talking about, like, you know, a woman that can kind of rock with his lifestyle, like, you know, rock with him despite, like, the lifestyle he's dealing with. We had uh, Darian Brockington on the hook again. And then Fonte comes in and everything. And he's talking about, like, you know, balancing his career with his love life, which, you know, like, we're not big big yeah but i mean i can imagine this being a thing you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and, and then of course is... you know we got we got percy miracles on the outro right and uh and then they use that <gasps> slow dance uh sample by david ruffin oh our our, our fave and anybody coming to see you otis <laughs> now nah, you gotta say you gotta say it with the full voice <laughs> ain't nobody here to see you otis <laughs> ain't nobody coming to see you otis <laughs> And so, um, uh, again, like we said, Preston Miracles. I love it, man. Grace says again, and then we blend into Say It Again. Uh, it samples five specials, do something special. Yeah, for your lady. That shit, yeah. I'm telling you, shout out Knife, man, because I'm like, I never heard a lot of these tracks or whatever, but I'm like, I love to go back and listen to them, whatever, whenever I see, like, yo, this is sample this, and I'm like, okay. You know what I'm saying? And I forgot to mention um, about the Jealous Love sample and Hiding Place, which was a good one by Bobby Womack. Yo, shout out then, I mean, rest in peace, Bobby Womack, didn't he just pass this year, too, right? Bobby Womack died... was it not this year? No, he, well, died last in, year? he died in 2014. Okay, I am big wild and I'm thinking <laughs> of somebody else. Yeah, you know, a lot of people down right now. It's hard to keep up. I mean, and it's just the sadness of it. I mean, we've lost a lot of people. I mean, it gets to the point. I mean, we just, yeah, it was 20. He died June 27, 2014. Like I always say, Al Gore's internet, I tell you. <laughs> Shout out Al Gore. <laughs> Um, you got anything before we get into fifth and fashion or uh, fifth and fashion? Because the only thing I'm gonna say is like they also too talked on say it again as far as like they're not getting the critical you know recognition that they deserve, and I'm like they they weren't and they still don't unfortunately because like I said they just dropped the album in 2019 and I feel like it went over a lot of people's heads, but like that shit was an incredible album. Well, I mean, also the big thing was, you know, again, if you catch the premise of the album, that was really the premise of them saying, like, a lot of people was not really fucking with them. Like, it screams support. Um, I mean, a really good track. I mean, there's really no bad track on this album to me. Mm -mm. No bad track. I, I don't. Like, I don't skip any of them. Like, there's songs I listen to more. But at the same time, it's like it's not one I just straight up like will skip like that. You know I mean, what I'm saying? It's an album that flows. 
just you know pretty much immaculate track to, track to track i mean impeccable flow um then you get the fifth and fashion skit Hey yo 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 yo! I'm trying I'm trying to find this shit like we like we brought up with like cousin earlier with coaches. Right. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I um again it was like a good skit that you place right in between two songs and I mean and then you go into what which was actually a single loving it. Yes, sir. Featuring Joe Scudder. Mm-hmm. Joe got a little brother. We family. Yeah, I mean, loving it. But again, you wouldn't have known if you were not watching. I'm trying to remember that loving it even have a video. Mm. Let me look at Al Gore's internet and see if I can find a video on this. I'm trying to think because I remember I, I looked up one of them and it said it was a video, but like it didn't get a lot of plays like that on um 106 back in the day. You know, back in these days, like 2005, you couldn't be too smart for shit. Because, like, no offense, a lot of people just wasn't trying to hear it. If you want mainstream. So, like, and it's kind of sad, too. But, I mean, we know how shit be. Okay, yeah, it did. It had a video. Right, okay. I think this might have been that song, then. Uh-huh, it had a video. So, I mean, I want to feel like they did not have a lot of videos. Um, I remember like there was a live video of them performing Slow It Down. Um I about to say this record samples uh the stylistics one night affair. Uh-huh. And shout out, you know, Tay Pooh and Joe Scudder dropping incredible verses. And I just gotta mention or because you know, like the biggest little Wayne fan that I am, I remember this from Dedication 2 before I'd even heard this album. Um Lil Wayne's song, this is you know, this is what I call her off dedication too. Uh-huh. So I was like, Yeah. As soon as I heard this show, I was like, wait, where have I heard this song before? And I was like, Oh, okay, this is the original joint. This makes sense now. And then even on Loving It, you had Yazara in the background. Like, um <laughs> Yazara's kinda in and out of this album a lot. Her and Darren Brockton, I mean, they really set the tone for the vocals on this album. Um, and then it seems like it seeks right into the diary of a mad black daddy skit, which still yeah, they- had loving it playing. <laughs> so you really just thought it was a part of the song. Can't stop, won't stop. Yeah, I want it. Can't stop, won't stop. Yeah, I want it. And like all that shit. Yo, Cornell, Cornell. Like matter of fact, you do you hear the um their newest album? I have not. So there's a part out there called um. I don't think it's a Yonla Fix My Life, but they did like a, right, a, a Yonla. I have not. I've listened to the album, just not where I have been on the album. I listen because, you know, I always play the album. But when I say I have not, I have not internalized the album. That's actually something I have to go back and spin in. I just really hadn't been in a rap mood lately. Right. It Like, I'm going to tell you, though, it's hilarious because, like, from what we hear on Diary of a Mad Black Daddy, like everything where it's like, you know, like Cornell's just jamming everything. His dad's like, "Yo, turn that damn minstrel shit off or whatever." You know, talking about you love it. If it, how about love's a long division, nigga? If it was your timetables, would you love it then? Can't stop, won't stop, bringing them damn f's home <laughs> and all right. that shit. And everything. And who that sound like? Your mama. <laughs> about to say, look, really people can't see my face right now, but you saw it. Right. I'm like, look. No, but no. On on the newest album, they literally brought back Cornell's like. <laughs> 
an adult now and like his dad's still cussing him out and he's like i just want him to love me and they bring a, a yonla in to fix them and y- a yonla called him like a scum bucket you know blah 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 some other words and he looked at her and said woman what the hell you just say <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'll, you, I'll send you the skit you're gonna be like yo what the hell? <laughs> but now like we go from this skit into like Yo, when somebody answer the phone, I do. I pay all the bills because somebody at least answer the phone. And he gets the phone call, and he's like, "It's for you, hello." And we go right into track twelve. We are at my favorite record, man. It's here already. Oh man! And so at first, it was classicness on this track. It was a toss up between this and track fifteen, which we're going to get on a little bit. You know, still lives through on my favorite song, but like. All for you, featuring you know Darian Brockington, samples Michael Franks. I really hope it's you. Yeah, and then you got keyboards and strings by James Poser, who um, is from The Roots, and also was long as the longtime collaborator with Erica Badu. Has produced records for Erica Badu, Music Soul Child, Jill Scott. He's really big on the neo soul scene. Um, Hell yeah! And so I mean to have him lace that track. I mean that track was just again ninth wonder killed the production of it. Like nice. Darian again blazed the blazed the vocals. Yeah, he, he 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 went off on this hook. Like Pooh on the first verse was talking about like his how his dad wasn't really around when he was a child, and then Tay takes that on the second fact. That, look, I'm telling you, like you you see because we both can get this right. And then Tay comes in on the second verse and everything. He's talking about like how his dad wasn't really around like that, but like how he looks at it now. And he's like, I kind of can relate to you though, because like this shit that's going on with me now as a father. And I'm just like, Oh my God. Like, and, and this is my thing. I'm not trying to say like, you know, quote unquote mainstream rap or even rap in general, isn't giving you this stuff. But like it's a lot, not. a lot of people are. <laughs> Say it. A lot, yeah, no, I mean, a lot of people aren't. It's like, not. I mean, all we talking about is flossing with bitches with money that you don't got, and some bitches that's gonna be in another nigga lap three seconds later. I mean, that's all you like really getting. You getting a whole bunch of stunting on record, a whole bunch of people rapping about lifestyles that they don't know about. Facts. Like, let me see. I'm trying to find it right quick. Or whatever. Like this um, album it was off- really. I mean, this album really, like, lyrically, like, you could really tell they put their guts into this record. Um, yeah. I'm sending you a song right now called Babies and Fools by Conway the Machine. Dude, I was talking about earlier, whatever, for, or whatever, from Griselda mm-hmm. and Freddie Gibbs. And, like, on Conway's verse, he's talking about, like, you know, how he's blown up in the rap game and, like, his baby mom's is hitting him up like, yo, you know, your kids ain't doing good in school and everything. You need to come and like help them out. And he's like, I'm on the road. I'm doing shows, all this type of stuff or whatever. So I'm like, you get it from like, but I mean, even like I said, like Griselda still on like, you know, low key underground, you know. You only get it from certain artists, though. Right. As wild as that is, unfortunately. But yeah, I'm shooting that over to you now. Okay, I'm gonna check that out. I mean, you can yeah, just my, really my tell. I'm looking at you. Just really tell, like the lyrics just alone were very vulnerable, and that's why this track really like stuck out to me. I mean, it you know, clearly you know my backstory, but 
just on on all of that i could re- i could relate and resonate to this song like the biggest just because of my own personal situations facts i mean low-key both are backstories because i mean you know you know everything i've been through i mean you had more relationship with homie than i did yeah but you know but that's that's besides the point right now absolutely i mean at least you had somebody that stepped up in your life when you were still a little child like i'm telling you when i say it's more than a blessing and like i don't even know what i would do without him absolutely that's it i mean i I love that man forever oh freddie gibbs yeah i'm telling you gangsta gibbs man i like freddie gibbs he's pretty all right have you watched um his tiny desk i have not it's good check that he's, out he's he's incredible though like his like last his, couple I like albums his, i like his delivery his i like his swag and demeanor his flow's crazy and like we always say shout out gary indiana name okay. that for you okay home of, <laughs> home of the jacksons jo, jo yes and, sir jo and Catherine jackson okay and her uh her family and like i mean we made we made the joke about that being like the longest fucking movie of all time but like at the same time, <laughs> what was the one scene in there where Jackie had to fight somebody or whatever in the hood and shit? Like, oh yeah, when boys <laughs> we should have known was, from there. And then when and boys like, to men was the thugs in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize that. <laughs> it was just it was it was a whole lot. They had to go through a lot in that movie. Just just sidebar on that because that I mean that movie is hilarious. But I mean it. Gary Indiana, you don't think of much out of Gary. I mean, I'm gonna say Gary Indiana is home of Latoya Jackson, <laughs> Latoya and Tito. Oh man, Your Majesty! Oh God, that's bad. Like, how? First of all, like before we even go to the next chapter and talk yeah. about death, how the hell? Like, you the uncle of some of your stepkids? Like, your your kids are cousins and siblings because. Like That's your, Kardashian shit. Like your wife was with your one brother first and had a set of kids and then got with you and then you had a set of kids. And so now they're intertwined as Jacksons and they're related as siblings, but they're also cousins. Like, I mean, am I going to get mad with you? Like, That's why you're not my brother anyways. You're my fucking cousin or something like that. Like, I mean, it's just, um, that that's crazy. I'm, I don't even think about that, but man all for you gotta pin it gotta pin it to the top like you know definitely one of the top the top tracks here and then you go into watch me and yeah track 13 and it samples one of my favorite songs by michael i'm gonna have to go back and listen to this because i did not know this record michael jackson's with a child's heart yes you do because that song was on that michael jackson record get the fuck out of here yes it do Okay, well, watch me, watch me as soon as I play it. Watch me recognize it, though. I mean, first I'm, of all, I'm like, you know, Michael Jackson really sang the hell out of that song. Hey, man, it was one thing that they could never say about Michael, whatever. He was singing his ass off on everything. Listen, that's like, that's bar none. One of my favorite songs by Michael Jackson, period. Even though, like, it was, uh, it was actually written for Stevie Wonder first. Stevie Wonder recorded it first in the 60s. Question, who in the hell was I heard writing this type of dope stuff? You know, Motown had a machine. Jesus Christ. Like, um, who was it or whatever they said, like, with Motown or whatever, like, old girls or whatever was, like, background singers at one point? Who you talking about? You talking about, uh, I know Martha oh. Reeves and the Vandellas was background singers. They used to sing behind Marvin Gaye. Yeah, it might have been them, honestly. 
I heard some, and I was like, so they had everything in house. Like my god. Yeah, I mean, so you know, it was written. Written in 1965, 66, and it came, it was, um, it was on, it was the B-side of Stevie Wonder's Nothing's Too Good for My Baby. And so, uh, Michael Jackson recorded it in 73, and it was the B-side, um, it was on his Music and Me album, and you know, I love Music and Me. That's one of, again, those are probably two, between that, Music and Me, um with the child's heart and um happy which was the theme from uh lady sings the blues uh michael really you know that was before michael's voice um it was in there between where he was hitting puberty right so his voice changed a little bit you could still hear that child michael but it was getting into that teenage michael um and you but if you go back and you listen to the song you'll hear that sample like it just like resonates also what was the jackson five album we like <clears throat> we just went on like too like which of course you heard it like way after the fact or not way after the fact but like i heard it way after the fact and we was going through that joint like yo this is crazy what you talking about that album you have no, no not that about- one the one right before like mike was like kind of a little bit older Oh, you talking about oh the Destiny album? De- oh, the yes. Album. Oh yeah, you know that's my album. That's that's like you remember like a little before you moved or whatever. We was like, I, like I just started listening to certain stuff like that or whatever, and I was like, yo, this shit is crazy. I mean, you go back. I mean, that was during the time where they started producing themselves, and so they called the shots on what they wanted the wanted the music to sing like. And Michael Michael started doing a lot of the writing. And, so, and I always felt like that. he doesn't get enough respect for that. I mean, Michael, all of them were musicians. I mean, you know, although he was, you know, machined into a pop star, yeah. Michael still, Michael got songwriting credits on people now. I mean, that's a whole nother episode. I ain't going to go there. But Michael, Michael, <laughs> right. Michael got credits like on people, production, like everything. Like he was a well-oiled machine. But um, I mean, I'll, I'll say before we get on to the next track or whatever, I always tell people, that you know, I always feel like somebody's watching me. Like homie got on the hook and that shit became a top record. And that was Barry Gordy's son. <laughs> that was his son. Right. I found that shit out later and I was like, yo, because I always I always thought that was just a Michael track. I mean, a lot of people always think like that's Michael's song, but then you hear when the dude starts singing, when I was a boy, you know, Michael not gonna do that on no track. Michael right. Probably, I was just Michael like, Michael probably went to the studio, I was like, Look, bitch. Look, I'm finna come in here and sing this damn hook for you and don't ask me for shit else because this song is already raggedy. <laughs> he probably went to the studio, moonwalked to the microphone <laughs> and did the vocals and then pot and kicked the door open and walked out. <laughs> shout, shout out Rick James on Party All The Time, man. That's one of my shits now. <laughs> the last couple years, too. <laughs> I learned about that song. I mean, I remember it as a child, but we played that song yeah. when I was in middle school band. Like, we, Yo, we played we played Party All The Time. But watch watch me track 13. Um, that was a track that was produced by Chris's, um, yeah. And he was, like, in the production team of what they called the Justice League at that particular time, which was a yes. pro- set of producers from Durham. And that went to Central, and so he produced uh, produced that track, and it also featured Scratches, uh, DJ Scratches by DJ, DJ Jazzy, Jazzy Jeff. Yeah, DJ Jazzy Jeff. So, um, 
very very dope and then it seed right into track 14 which was sincerely yours and i'm about to say yeah because like at the end of watch me it got into two dudes talking kind of talking about like yo you know saw little brother or whatever you know Tay's rhymes was dope um night's beats was dope but like the other dude man big poo i don't know bro he he ain't really hitting it like that or whatever you know right. he might be Tay's cousin or whatever so poo takes all that shit just to join us into like sincerely yours where he goes solo on this joint, uh, samples Jerry Butler's whatever is going on, or whatever's going around, excuse me. Yeah, whatever goes around by Jerry the Iceman Butler. Crazy. I need to go back and check this song out. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But I loved it because they was talking about, like, you know, just addressing all the haters, and he kind of went into, like, his personal demons and everything on this track. I'm like, yo. This was a dope record. I mean, all these are dope records, you know? Oh, yeah. And again, another classic production by Ninth Wonder. I mean, you know, well, I mean, he pretty much, uh, the rest of the album produced all the rest of the tracks. But, I mean, it was again, again, that classic, that classic sample that made it a classic sounding track. Facts. Um, 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 Anything for track 15? um, Yeah. uh, It was just kind of like one of those tracks for me. I like this was my second favorite track behind track 12 like still lives through we got a sample from a tribe called Quest's um God lives through yeah and I knew about this because you remember when I was telling you like a little bit before you you left or whatever FYE just used to have their $5 bin and this was before like I had blue like you know bluetooth and all that shit in my car and in my truck or whatever oh, at the shadow. Time. right shout out to shadow <laughs> Yeah, and um, did now what happened to that truck um dad sold it oh, okay well yeah well, <laughs> long, live, long live the 91 nissan right but um i used to just straight up have cds or whatever and i'm telling that damn five dollar band used to come in handy like it got me on fucking um equipment eye it got me on um Tribe Called Quest's Midnight Marauders, like just because they was just in there, and I was like, "Yo, these are like what people call classics. Let me go check out these classics." So, like, I knew that one off uh, Midnight Marauders. So, like, I knew the Buster Rhymes. Oh my god! Oh my god! Like all over this or whatever. Like, yo, Pooh. I think this was Pooh's like strongest performance on the entire tape, honestly. And I love, like, you just said, you know, you, you spoke at the beginning about being, you know, going vegan. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> when that nigga Tay came in, it was like, you know, shout out to, um, oh, shout out Big Pooh because he quit eating steak. And shout out to such and such because he quit eating steak. And shout out to that girl from the 304 that moved in, got kicked out, and caught on tape. Uh. <laughs> That's just still funny to this day. <laughs> And then, like, you know, towards the end of it, he shot out, like, a bunch of spots in North Carolina, you know. Uh-huh. Durham got a Chapel Hill got a um, Greensboro got a Durham got a you know, all that type of stuff. Even though they, when they kept talking about Greensboro, they was like, that's the only borough they recognized. And, you know, like, I mean, me and my homies have been saying for years or whatever, like, the 919, like, you know, a lot of people going to say Raleigh, whatever, but, like, that's Goldsboro. If it's oh. not Raleigh or Goldsboro, we don't, we don't know it. Right. I mean, that's like- the 919. I mean, and then Durham is in the 919. Oh, shit. Hell yeah. <clears throat> so I'm like, you know, Durham. Well, actually, Chapel Hill's in the 919, too. 
Because I think like Burlington is what starts the three three six, and Goldsboro is what ends the nine one nine. Because oh, okay. at that point you go two five two when you go Kinston, you go nine at two five two when you go Kinston up Wilson, and you go yeah, down Greenville, yeah, and then yeah Greenville like that way, and then you go nine uh, nine one zero when you're going down Duplin County, and like yeah like, like uh, Sampson County, Cumberland County, yeah. So uh, or Charlotte seven zero four. Yeah, Charlotte seven zero four. Well, they okay. have so many area codes now, and even okay. Greensboro. Some parts of Greensboro used to be seven zero four back in the day. It's like a different. And, and I only know I only know Greensboro is like three three six. But I'm not I'm not living there like you though, you know. Yeah. And then we close out with track sixteen. We're not closed out. We have the closing theme of the minstrel show, which uh, you have re- you reintroduced to Yazara's great big voice again, and um, it. His sample no stronger, uh, no stronger love by the floaters. Shout out my, shout out my kids, faith and uh, abstinence. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was weak, yo. Whoever this dude was was going crazy. That shit so was you, funny. You to basically me. reintroduced to a theme again from the beginning, and um, this what you really pretty much call a recapitulation, and which is a recap. And so, like, you recap at this point, and they, you know, close it down. And um, it was pretty much like how you open the album, but they're closing, and it's a bunch of shout-outs. Right. Um, which then you go to track 17, We Got Now. This one was incredibly dope, and I love the fact that, like, it kind of even starts off like a kind of, like, a curtain call. Uh-huh. And you know, we get like a dope outro from Pooh and Tay. And then shout out, um, do you know how to pronounce homie's name? <clears throat> you to my Shondon. There we go. Okay, yeah. I love the fact like most of his bars was talking about like little brother and everything. Uh-huh. And then, you know, Tay came in, you wanna know how I feel about this? You wanna know how I feel about this or whatever? Yo, all them can suck my and it just like it cuts off. Right. And it sampled uh <laughs> Cabrico, um by Arthur Verakai, or Verico, oh, okay. Verakai or whatever. I've never heard that. I'll have to go check that out because I'm pretty sure there's something that's hidden down in the crates. Um, I have to go check it out. Right. So before we end this off, though, so the track I told you about, at least it was on my Apple Music or whatever. It wasn't on the original like joint that we know, but like it, it had Hold On as track 18 on Apple Music. <laughs> Oh, I see that. From, I see that now. And from what I looked up or whatever, it was written during the same minstrel show sessions, and it was pretty much a B side to "Loving It," which was track ten. Gotcha. But it was actually released on the commercial free EP that came out the following year in '06. Gotcha. I listened to it. It was pretty dope. So you know, you go, you guys go check that out. You definitely check that out too, bro. And this sample, this sample, sitting on the edge of my mind by Jermaine Jackson. <laughs> hey, let's go! Look, um, we were talking about the Jackson Five. Let's go. Listen, the Jacksons, <laughs> Jermaine. Listen, Jermaine got him a, a placement. Got to get some, man. Yeah, so overall, I mean, you know, for the time period, and even with this album, it's very timeless to me still. Um, honestly, if I had to give it a rating out of 10, um, like, like for me, uh, my voice cracking, um, 
I feel like a child in puberty. My voice cracking. Um, <laughs> it's been a long. It it's been a long week, man. Yeah, it does at this time of the, like this time of night. My voice cracks a lot. Um, I would honestly give this album a nine point five. Oh my! So look, you stole my shit. I just I was literally about to say. I, I would give it a nine point five. Like, um, and it could really, it could really pass for a ten. Um, right. But like, honestly, like nine nine point five for me. Um, just solid production, but hungry. Um, I just really hate that this album got overlooked. It definitely got overlooked. I'm also giving it a 9.5. And like what I'm going to say, it could release today and still be as incredible as it is. I and think it would be appreciated today. Exactly. I believe the, I believe the exact same. And honestly, it I'm like, change you know, the monotony of what's on the radio today. I feel like right. what they talked about on the album now, I don't know if people was ready for that in 2005. Um, I, people was ready for it. I just don't think Atlantic knew what to do with them. Honestly, that's a, they were a group that probably should have been like Maybe on a Def Jam for that time. Yeah. Oh, like a Def Jam or like a, I mean, and I don't even know like what Atlantic T I was on Atlantic. So I'm like, yeah. But maybe all but, of their promotion was going behind T.I. But like you said, too, like it was a lot of other stuff going on, like the snap errors going on at this time. The trap movement is just beginning with T.I., but it's not like in its peak yet. You know what I'm saying? Right. So like now that like conscious rap is, I ain't going to say back, but like because it never really left. It just kind of like it's mainstream now with like Kendrick and Cole. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> like. We look at it as far as like, you know, it was before its time. But I mean, we also had like, you know, not only Little Brother, we had people like, like, I mean, Common was doing shit like this or whatever, you know, Black Star was doing shit like this. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I just hope that like when we drop this review, whatever, they deserve praise and everything they did for their 15 year anniversary. I'm glad, you know, like I said, I could do like, you know, little brother with my big brother. It's oh, yeah. crazy. And not big and, brother uh, like that dumb ass show that was on TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, you know, shout out to shout out to Fonte. Shout out Big Pooh. Shout out Ninth Wonder. Shout out Foreign Exchange because I I fuck with, with Foreign Exchange shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, I just really get lost in this album because I mean I just had it playing back in my earbud and I was like my with my AirPod and I was like, hmm, like it's really an album you could put it on right now any situation you just listen to it, but it's really a good writing album. Yeah, I'm telling you, like the it best rides. thing that happened was you putting this on my computer, or whatever. Me like just hearing it and being like, yo, this shit's flames, and remembering to go back and like appreciate you know, like dope records like this or whatever. Like we said, like not just singles, like fucking dope ass records. You go through the whole album and you don't skip anything. Yeah. And I mean, the, that's the problem. You know, people, people don't put out albums anymore. You know, you, you really, we're in the day of streaming and you put out, you put out stuff that's going to hit as singles and nobody's really like putting out conceptual albums anymore. I mean, some people do, I'm not going to say everybody's not doing that, but you know, some people, right. they think that they stick with, but as far as the masses of what's on the top of the charts, it's not concept albums. Those albums are always overlooked and looked at later. 
Or, you know, it's like, I'm going to kiss your ass later. Or where it blew up and now I'm going to like it. Where I wasn't fucking with it before, but now it's at the top of the charts. And, oh, oh yeah, I was fucking with it from day one. No, you won't. You're one of them same people that was not listening to it. Don't give it a time. That's why I really listen to a lot of indie artists because there's a lot of people I be wanting to see like make it and blow up and put on because it's a lot it's a lot of dope music out here that um that people wouldn't even know like if you wouldn't really give it a spin like I mean between the right. music choice channels on my uh, on spectrum raggedy ass cable oh bitch asses <laughs> like I mean like between that um back when we used to have like the satellite and we watched uh mtv2 all them different mtvs like that had all the videos and stuff like that that's what used to keep me up like keep me up on music and stuff and so i mean it, it it's it's just different now and i mean for them to have came out with this album like i said to bring it back home like in 05 and it wasn't appreciated like it it could really give a spin now, but support your indie artists as well. Because I mean, before that they were indie still really, you know, they're still very independent, honestly. Um, Thanks. just support the, like the indie artists, like a lot of, a lot of these artists got some dope tracks. Like are you, if you go watch like the show insecure, she used to put a lot of indie music in her shows during the week for you to get onto some of those tracks. Like it's, it's a lot of different things. Like you just really got to like go out there and like sometimes listen to like the playlist that Apple music or drop a title. And they'll put a lot of these indie artists up there and just like, and I will say that too. Cause Issa like has dropped like, you know, all the people that she's had on, like, you know, like the series, you know, later on when the se- you know, when the season finale drops. Right. Cause it got me on, like, I think it was, was it pink? tiger pink panther something like that pink, pink tiger yeah it was an artist or whatever man i was like yeah i don't know who she is but this song is dope right you know like that um uh, like alicia bell chick that i sent you whatever oh, like yeah. the last episode we did that's a that's a vibe now that's- yeah shay leah I, I fuck with her whatever like you know she's really incredible and like then. it's dope artists out here whatever it's just like they don't get like the spotlight and everything whatever and like also like we said Support your indie artist, support your indie podcast, man. Like doing all the editing and processing and promotion and everything ourselves or whatever, even if certain platforms are not trying to give us like, you know, the promo that we deserve, honestly. Right. I mean, that's the same thing. I'm just going to piggyback, like really support um, your podcasters, your black podcasters. I mean, that's putting content out. You know, we put our heart and our guts into this stuff. I'm not. I'm not doing my podcast uh, for no clout or nothing like that. I do it because it's what's on my mind. It's a, it's artistic expression for me. It's how I really just kind of clear and decompress myself. I put it on I put it on tape for y'all. <laughs> like, and I mean, I put it in its rawest form. I don't edit down or dumb down anything I say. I don't care who listens to it. My mama, my dad, whoever listens to it, you going to hear how the fuck I talk about it on my podcast. And that's just like point blank. But support support like support your friends like honestly how can you call yourself a friend of a friend and you're not supporting your friends but y'all be out here standing these celebrities that you don't even fucking know and will repost them they can fart right. shit on the damn floor and you're gonna repost the picture so i mean like treat treat your friends like you treat these celebrities that you don't know that's facts and don't treat I me like a celebrity after after you knew me and i blow up or something like that because i'm gonna look at you like you stupid I'm gonna say the same shit old buddy said on track three, whatever, you know. We've been out here, whatever, people don't even get love in their own home city or whatever, and they be like, Oh, we always loved y'all. Fucker. Right, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So But I mean I, with, I I really enjoyed uh reviewing this album with you and uh 
that you um, that you had me on uh, Ox Me Later episode to um, well for me like it would be a running back episode for me, but yeah. um, and I'll be releasing this on my podcast as well as a running back episode. Um, but I'm I'm just glad that you had me here just to talk about the album. Like I said, I mean it's not a faint and distant memory. I definitely went back to listen to it just to refresh. I mean I know the album like the back of my hand, but. Uh, just to hear your appreciation for the album because you came on yeah. at such a I got time. On that like, it was like seven, eight years after the fact when you heard it for the first time. And I remember hearing it like day one when it was like fresh and riding in Jordan Mazda 626. Um, oh, man. Listening. The little red one. No, the burgundy one. Um, <laughs> listening to um, listening to the album on the way back. It had just came out and he had bought it that weekend. He was like taking me back to Greensboro. And um, I got it myself, and um, I went to damn to Fye and I bought it, and um, I was in love. Like still, like I am listening to it today, I still get that same feeling when I listen to it for the first time. So, um, I appreciate you for having me, and um, and just all that you do in your podcast. Like I'm, like really proud of you. Like for real, for real. I appreciate that, bro. For real, man. Like, and telling this was incredibly dope. <sighs> love you. I love this album. Oh, yeah, love you. Shout out to cousin Jordan. Everything like this was incredibly dope. I'm gonna hit him up. But like, yo, can you can you believe this is turning 15? And do you have anything else left as far as like you know anything coming up or all that with the spilled and or you know meet me on the roof or whatever. Well, Before, um, um, meet me on the roof. Um, I'm I'm actually gonna record my next episode and I put it out. Just kind of a little mini so me ranting about what's been going on and um, just kind of shed some light on the Petty Labelle and Gladys um Gladys Knight versus like I called yes. it, I called it on my podcast on episode two and people thought I was like playing. I was like they're gonna do one like Aretha dead and gone, so it can't be the Patty and Aretha like that everybody want to see. But I was like. To see two women celebrate each other, I knew it was going to be Patty and Gladys. And it's going to be in Philly at Patty House. Patty is probably going to cook that house. <laughs> cook that house away. Now, it's Patty. Gonna be, yeah, like, it's going to be, like, everything. And I just feel like with them, I don't see them sitting there talking about, um, we'll run that next cut. Um, or I've run that. Like, I feel like they're going to have a live band for real and a microphone, and they're going to go to town and give you a concert. Like, I'm praying and hoping that's what it's going to be. But I'm looking forward to that. So I got some new content that's going to be coming. Uh, just just new things. And even with the spilled, um, it's a work in progress. Um, I'm actually recording some episodes on that this week as well. And going to put some stuff out. So, um, you know, I'll drop social media stuff for that as well. But um, just on my regular podcast to not bleed the lines, meet me on the roof. Hell yeah, man. And with all that being said, Remember, like I said at the very beginning of these, remember to rate, like, comment, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. Links and everything going to be in the description in the bio below. Check out that link tree for all that stuff. Follow myself and homies Q, Carson, Zach on Twitch. You know, playing a little bit of RPGs, 2K, a little bit of uh, PGA Golf, Apex Legends, Call of Duty, all that stuff. <laughs> Um, check out that on to September playlist available on Apple Music and Spotify, also in the link tree. And, you know, like I say, you know, don't make your tongue with Mookie. We're on the road to 200 episodes, man. Getting real close or whatever. I got an upcoming 
interview with uh, the homie or whatever that's really dope gonna you know put his platform out there and you know i'm gonna put all the stuff and everything for like you know meet me on the roof or whatever shout out to brother my big bro g i appreciate it <sighs> and with all that being said man close this out like i normally do that's g over there coco done woke up and everything to left me but it's all good i'm mookie and until next time, to let us out. I'd like to thank everyone for coming out to the Minstrel Show tonight, uh, especially our guests, uh, Elzai of Slum Village. Don't be afraid, you can clap. Uh, Mr. James Poiser is here as well. Uh, I'd like to thank DJ Jazzy Jeff for popping by. I'd like to thank you at home, of course. And I'd like to give a special shout-out to my baby mama, Tamika, and our twin daughters, Faith and Abstinence. Daddy's coming home, babies. Daddy's coming home. Man... <laughs> I'm not gonna cry. I'm not gonna cry. Good night, everyone. Good night. It's time to say goodbye to all of our friends. Our time is up, and now the good times will stand. We hope we made you laugh and chuckle or grin. And hopefully, one day soon, we can do it again. We'd like to welcome you to everything there is to know. This is our life. Y'all ready for the party to be over? Y'all ready to go home?